Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Your host for today's episode is a member of the CareerPod team, Mr. Gary Walrap. Today we will be speaking with Eric Braun, the Director of Innovation at Retail Business Services. Uh, Eric, welcome to CareerPod, and we really appreciate your participation. Thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here. So, I'd like to start off uh, going back a little bit about, you know, your early life and your educational preparation. Uh, uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, When I was a kid, um, I was a little guy and I was more apt to uh, spend time reading books and studying than I was playing sports because I was really not that athletic. Um, So I was that kid that was really interested in learning and learning about everything. And I think that that was a a big foundation for me um, really for most of my life. And I also found the, that the excitement of learning and and how fun it was that uh, as I grew up, I felt that I needed to keep doing that all the time. And I think that love for life, for learning and that ability to learn throughout my life has been something that's, sort of shaped my career. And as a, as an entrepreneur and an innovator, um, curiosity, exploration, ex- experimentation is all part of the game. Sure. So, um, you had your, uh, your high school years and, uh, I, I know you have sort of a unique, uh, college experience. Can you tell us about that? Sure. For, um, for undergraduate, I went to the University of Rochester, New York, and uh, the University of Minnesota. Uh, graduated in Minnesota with a degree in uh, German and English, and uh, almost a degree in biology because I was really interested in biology. And from there, I decided to go explore Europe, take a year off. So I uh, enrolled in the University of Cologne in Germany, and originally was just planning on studying German literature and language, but I thought I would take a course or two on computers. And uh, that's where I started to learn the first about computers and got interested in, in computer science. And I think that the, um, you know, the, the whole pattern was an exploration. So uh, eventually that, focus on computers uh, brought me back to to go and study at the University of Minnesota again in a master's program to study computer science. And and then that launched my career into uh, being a, a hands-on programmer and uh, a techie that kind of got into this industry. Tell me a little bit more about uh, sort of the, uh, the companies you worked for, the skills you learned, and that type of thing. Sure. So, uh, I didn't have a degree in business, and it was really the computer foundation that got me into the business world. So I started off doing that, but I was fortunate to have mentors in management positions that uh, gave me opportunities to learn about about business. So I think I had on-the-job learning uh, of an MBA program where they managers took me under their wings and they taught me about P&Ls and finance, or they taught me about sales and marketing and, and gave me experiential learning opportunities to do that on the job. So that was just huge for me. Uh, 
I, I was thirsting for learning everything I could. And, and when they gave me the opportunity, I just continued to, to eat that up. And that paved the way for me to get into other, other positions where I became a project manager. And then I started to be a, in a role of exploring new technology. Um, and it, that was essentially innovation in those days. We just looked at new technology. And then, um, and then that took me to a variety of software companies and, uh, and kind of a more traditional career growth where you move up the ranks. And then at one point, I decided that uh, I had this itch to start my own company. And I launched out about 20 years ago and started my first startup company. And it was really at the perfect time. What was that company, uh, Eric? So that was TeamShare Solutions. And our focus was to uh, take advantage of the new internet and the web and try to help companies connect connect to the internet and bring web-based applications to their clients. So uh, one of the things that we developed was one of the early provider searches for a Tufts Health Plan, uh, where health healthcare companies were not connected to the web. Once we helped them get connected, they wanted to allow uh, patients and subscribers to look up doctors to find a doctor. So we were able to launch for them one of those early, early options. Um, another um, spinoff of that was a financial services uh, company that developed online proxy voting and uh, became the first uh, complex proxy voting application for mutual funds. I've heard a lot about uh, another uh, uh, a company I believe you started called South Shore Innovation. Could you talk a little bit about that, Eric? Sure. Uh, so after being uh, about a decade into the uh, entrepreneurial venture uh, and having started a, uh, two or three companies, I, I actually two companies at that time, then I wanted to... Uh, explore the opportunities for entrepreneurs outside of the city, more in the suburbs south of Boston. So I got together a few colleagues and we started to get uh, roundtable, in, innovation roundtables, we called them, meetups together. And uh, we would bring together anybody that wanted to talk about an idea that they had or something they were working on in their garage or their basement or their kitchen or wherever. And we built up this uh, community of of entrepreneurs and uh, future startup uh, enthusiasts, and that the that's been going on now for a decade, where we've continued to support them and help them by mentoring and growth and events. Uh, and then in 2013, we were able to uh, collaborate with the Quincy Chamber of Con Commerce and the City of Quincy to develop a an incubator that we called the Quincy Center for Innovation. And that was such a successful venture that brought, uh, at our peak, we had over 100 entrepreneurs working out of 13,000 square feet. Uh, they represented 45 startup companies. Wow, that's great. That must have been very rewarding uh, for you to be at the center of that. It was, it was really exciting to be able to help so many people, to help teach them about entrepreneurship, help them uh, sort out their problems and overcome them 
And we built a big base of mentors that were in the area that could help them out. Uh, one of the success stories coming out of that was a company in Quincy called IntelliCare that has grown to be uh, a, a very leading force in the healthcare area for providing uh, skilled uh, skilled people to the the nursing facilities, hospitals, uh, nursing homes, things like that. Sure. So uh, uh, I understand you've been doing some teaching, uh, both uh, at, at the junior college level and at Tufts University. Could you tell us about the courses that you had taught? Sure. I, I guess I have to say that I've always been somewhat of a teacher. And I think te- teaching goes hand in hand with learning because if you learn something and then teach it back to somebody else, then you learn it from a different perspective and you learn uh, some of the fine points and and sort of boil down the important parts that you have to use uh, when you're explaining concepts to somebody. Sure. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think you and I met early on when I was exploring teaching. Then I had talked about some ideas I had about teaching uh, entrepreneurship in an experiential manner. And you were at Quincy college and you were really interested in that. And you introduced me to the Dean and the vice president and, and even the president of the college. And that led to, to me uh, teaching a course on entrepreneurship where we tried to, to really model uh, a, a three month course on starting a company from an idea to pitching to a shark tank. Okay. Anyway, um, now, your current role, uh, Director of Innovation uh, for Retail Business Services, could you explain that, uh, Eric? Sure. So, uh, after starting my startup companies and exiting, I got the idea of uh, how valuable it was the way we behaved as a, as a startup company. Entrepreneurs think and behave differently than corporate people. And I thought, wow, it would be really valuable if we were to take that into a company and help them transform or invent the future through an innovation program. And there's been a lot of that going on for the last uh, decade or so. But from my research and and discussions, I found that a lot of companies did things in a different way. So, So I went on this journey of starting to work with companies to bring in a, a, a department, a small, small team that would d- develop uh, essentially an entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem within the company to come up with proof of concepts, test things out, test out technologies, test out ideas, and then help spin those out into the uh, production areas to develop products from those. And, that launched me into uh, meeting some people at Retail Business Services, which, as you know, it's a subsidiary of Ajo Del Hayes, one of the largest uh, retail grocers in the world uh, that's based right out of Quincy. They're the parent company of Stop and Shop in Hannaford locally. And so so there uh, at, at uh, RBS, uh, they, there's a, an established team, and I'm working with about 50 people that are creating proof of concepts, innovating. They're a mixture of tech people 
and uh, designers, scrum masters. Uh, so we've got these teams that are trying to rapidly experiment and test out ideas that come from the store brands and that are and we're trying to incrementally improve the way uh, people shop in grocery stores and shop online, shop in any capacity. And we're also trying to envision what the future of grocery shopping is going to be. And that includes online. Uh, we see a lot of new ways of shopping now with the pandemic. It's curbside pickup. It, it could be all sorts of new, uh, new ways to operate within a store. Uh, one of the exciting things that the company has done before I got there, but starting last year, was to roll out a concept called Lunchbox which is a frictionless store. So this is the idea where you just walk into the store. There's nobody there working for the store, but there are cameras with AI behind them that identify where you are in the store. They know who you are because you've got a phone on you when you went through. And if you want something, you take it off the shelf, put in your basket, put in your pocket, walk out the store. You're not stealing. It knows that who you are and it just uh, puts that on your account. Sure. And uh, everything works pretty frictionlessly. What comes to my mind in that type of a model, um, uh, how, the customer service issue, where there are not a lot of workers in the store, uh, how have you integrated that or handled that issue? So, I mean, that's a really good point. I think that what we've been doing is uh, – experimenting with this on a smaller scale. So we're not doing this in the grocery stores right now. We've been doing this in company stores and it's much easier than if you need help to get the help on a smaller scale. Uh, part of the uh, expansion into more of a consumer model and outside of the company is to, to figure out some of those ins and outs. Uh, how do you deal with all the problems that can, can arise and the, and the different use cases that can come up that you need to ad ad adapt to. Your team, are they all situated here in the United States, or do you have some people in Europe or other continents? So my team is just U.S.-based, uh, but we do have people working on innovation outside of the U.S., and we, on a periodic basis, do uh, collaborate with them, share ideas, uh, and I think that that's... Uh, that's something that we're exploring, how we can expand that even further. You know, innovation has proven to be successful within the company, and it's helping us also at the time of COVID-19 to get through some of the hurdles, more rapidly deploy ideas that we need to because of the situation into the stores. Sure. It's uh, interesting. The pandemic is uh, sort of a breeding ground for Innovation, in a sense, that you you can't you can't do it the old way anymore. You ha you have to, you know, really uh, come up with a new new uh, way to do things, and uh, that's that must be exciting to be involved with that, Eric. Well, I think it is. I love it, and at the same time, I think this is the way that people need to think about their jobs in general in the future. Too often, within large corporations, we think projects have to be long drawn out. They have to use what we call the waterfall approach to define everything that you know, or you can figure out about the problem before you actually start coding it and or implementing it. And that by that time, it's, it's way too late. And 
and it costs so much. Now, a good example is I've talked to so many people that that were planning six-month rolls, rollouts of Zoom in their companies. And when the pandemic hit and they were all locked down, they said, we got to implement this. And they rolled it out in three, two or three days. Necessity so, is it, the mother of invention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, so if we can somehow instill that necessity in our everyday lives, right. maybe we're more apt to, to be more inventive. Sure. Well, um, and I know you've been dealing with emerging technologies your whole career, Eric. Uh, what do you think is on the horizon that we haven't even thought about yet in terms of, uh, you know, uh, emerging technologies? Well, what we haven't thought of, I'm not sure if I'm as much of a futurist, but there are a lot of things that we have thought of that that are really there in the works, and, and there's a huge potential. And one of those is artificial intelligence. Uh, if you look at the evolution of work, uh, we started by creating tools that would help us improve on physical work. How could we make that easier? And we've evolved to the point of developing tools that make uh, more less physical work, but more intellectual work, more productive. Now, artificial intelligence has taken us to the level of improving the way we make decisions, the way we think about things, the way we can identify patterns in, in data, in behavior, uh, in the, the way that we look at the world and the way we create things for the world. So that's the role that artificial intelligence plays. And it's really at a focal point right now where you can really um, dig in in your company and you can find ways to add a new value to some of the current processes, some of the current products that you're offering. Uh, it's still, uh, most companies are still just scratching the surface on it. But uh, in the past year, uh, my team has worked on so many uh, proof of concepts that have really shown the, uh, and proven how, how valuable this technology can be. Okay. Eric, uh, as, as you think about some of the good parts and most satisfying parts of, of your career or your job, what has that been? Well, I think everybody's different. Uh, you, you know, your your satisfaction in your job is going to be based on understanding who you are and what things you like to do. You know, if you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert, things like that. And so for me, what I've found is that I thrive on um, doing a lot of things and doing uh, new things, creating value. Uh, f solving problems, but creating something te technology-wise that solves the problems typically is, is the way my career has gone. Uh, in a traditional uh, uh, software development environment, you might spend a year or more working through a problem to, to get it out there to the users or to the market. Um, for me, working as an entrepreneur or internally to a company as an entrepreneur or an innovator um, that's a much more rapid process. And, and I thrive on that fast paced environment where we can accelerate ideas and we can see results and then uh, work together with other people to, to sort of hand it off so they can take it to production. Sure. You know, what comes to my mind when you say that is, and you talked earlier about the waterfall model. I know one of the 
most exciting companies in the last 10 years has been Facebook. And that's exactly what they would do. They would uh, disrupt things, even break things, but get it sort of get it done and get it out the door. And uh, the results are just uh, terrific using that type of model. Yeah, and I think, you know, what Facebook is doing is on a huge scale, um, and, and I don't have uh, the inner insight into the workings of, of Facebook. However, uh, most companies, when they get to be as big as Facebook, they've determined how, how do they do business and how do they maximize the value of doing business the way that they know how to do it. And that becomes a little bit of a shield from breaking things and experimenting. And, and therefore, they tend to lose that. But, uh, you know, companies that are leading companies, Facebook, Apple, Google, the, these, these big leading companies are maintaining that ability to innovate and to experiment and to sort of have that internal playground. They'll have a small group working on this or working on that. And uh, so they're making an allowance. They realize it's a big corporate model, but they're going to take the a small group of people who are, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and innovators and let them d- develop their own type of uh, programs. Absolutely. And I would say small is all relative to the size of the company and the industry you're in. So a small group in Facebook or in, in Apple is still probably pretty big. Uh, my, my team at RBS is, uh, you know, 50 to 60 people and that's a pretty good sized team. Uh, uh, if I look at a smaller company where I was in the previous year, uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, about more like 20 people. And so it was, uh, it all depends on the size and type of company you're working at. Sure. Well, um, the flip side is um, of satisfaction can be a frustration. And uh, you're dealing with a lot of unknowns and you're dealing with the future. So um, how do you deal with, you know, the typical frustrations that you may be receiving or your team may be receiving? How do you overcome those? This is one of the hardest questions for me because for, for me, a problem is a challenge. It's not a negative thing. And, and, I, and I also recognize or, or I've learned over the years that the way to get things to happen, both personally and when you've got a team that you want to inspire, is to lead with pos- positivity. So my goal is to work with my team to try to keep them inspired, keep them excited, keep them positive. And, you know, that means we have to maintain some playfulness. It means that we have to not take too seriously some of these problems that come up and turn, turn that into a culture that really is, is fun and happy and positively moving forward. And I've seen that work with such great results that I, I you know, I advocate that for everybody. Well, that's a great answer. You, you know, uh, you're, you're recognizing that frustrations can be there, but you're, Seeing the positive side and going from there and turning it into maybe a you know a positive uh, motion or positive movement that's fantastic, uh, Eric. Uh, uh, what are the most important pieces of advice you would give to someone considering uh, your field? You know the field of innovation. Uh, I would say 
that, as I mentioned before, you, you need to understand who you are. So you should ask yourself some questions. One question would be, do you, do you feel that you need to have structure? You need people to kind of organize the things that you do for you. Um, if that's true, the innovation and entrepreneurship is not the place for you. If you're open, if you, right, if you're open to risk and taking chances, uh, this could be a really good place for you. If you're not afraid to take a risk, uh, entrepreneurship and, and innovation, well, entrepreneurship in particular is a really good place. Innovation tends to be a little bit less risky. Uh, corporations don't want to take as big a risk, but you have to be comfortable with uncertainty and and the chance that you're going to do something that's going to fail and and that's not a bad thing. It's just part of the learning process. And finally, the underlying nature of you should be, you should be a lifelong learner. You, want, you should be somebody that wants to learn as much as you can about just about everything. Um, if, you, if you are that type of a person, then you can thrive in this type of environment. Okay. Um, so it starts within you. You have to understand yourself. You, you know, you said that a few times in this interview, and that's that's really very human, and I I really like that. Um, the in terms of um, interesting or funny or exciting stories that you've had along the way, uh, is there anything that sticks out in your mind? You know, I I'm not sure. There's so many stories that that we that we encounter. Um, but, but I think, you know, if you, if you go along and you're, you're just focused on not taking yourself too seriously and having a good time, then, uh, I think that you're going to really thrive in whatever career you're in. Sometimes what that means is, is doing something that's a little bit maybe unconventional or off the wall. And I, I learned from Bill Allette, who runs the Martin Trust Center for Entrepreneurship at MIT, that pirates are really fun when you're working in a corporate environment or in a startup company. Uh, he wrote a book called Disciplined Entrepreneurship, and there's this whole pirate theme inside there. And yeah, so, uh, and I think that uh, Steve Jobs uh, from Apple had quoted, uh, saying it's more fun to be a pirate than to be in the Navy. And, and then, so this whole theme just took out, took over his, his book. And, and I think probably somewhat of the way he teaches in his philosophy. And I embrace that. And when I was teaching at Tufts in particular, I took that to heart and we would play the pirate games. And uh, at the end, when they did a shark tank pitch, I would bring a chest, a pirate's chest with uh golden coins of chocolate and treasures and eye patches and hooks and things like that. And we just had a lot of fun with that pirate theme. And, uh, and, and I felt that it made it a little bit lighter and the learning was, was really, really a little bit more of a game. Okay. Um, finally, Eric, um, the role of luck, either good luck or bad luck, has that played, uh, in your career? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, um, you know, uh, as much as we might like 
to do things or we might think we want to do things a certain way. We can't predict what's going to happen. And uh, it's all about timing. You, you know, I, I've talked to so many people that have invented Facebook or something like it, but it was just the wrong time. They invented it too soon or too late or in the wrong country or something. And so, you know, if you are in the right place at the right time and you create whatever you do, it, it might take off and, and you might, you know, grow it to be the next great thing, but it may not. And that may be okay as well. You know, plenty of successful entrepreneurs and happy entrepreneurs and innovators out there that have created companies that nobody really knows about, but they're still good companies and they still make an impact and are successful. Uh, so I think, I think luck really plays a, a role in that and, and luck is all about timing. Eric, uh, I just wanted to uh, thank you for your uh, your participation and for us to hear the very eclectic set of experiences and skills that you have with a strong focus on innovation and entrepreneurship. I think any uh, listener to your career part episode will just be exciting. Uh, we're excited about maybe stepping into an entrepreneurial world. So I want to thank you your participation all right thanks gary this has been fun and uh i look forward to catching up again in the future